You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to see you today. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Jake Box, and I get to be the uh, pastor here at Midtown and really uh, glad to be back with you all. I have been uh, away or at least had a break from uh, preaching the last three weeks and uh, it's been nice for me um, and <laughs> hopefully for y'all as well. Justin and uh, Matt have just fantastic job teaching. Matt uh, did the last two weeks and did a, uh, just a great job, really learned a lot through him and I hope you did as well. But um, Looking forward to our time together today as we continue the series that we've been in. We're working through the uh, New Testament book of James, and we're calling this series uh, Wisdom for Life because James is a uh, uh, considered wisdom literature. It's like the New Testament version of the book of Proverbs. It's just packed full of wisdom regarding how to live and how to relate to one another and how to treat people and all kinds of really helpful bits of wisdom. And so we are looking at this together, trying to see how to, how to really relate and live in light of our relationship with God. And today, what we're going to see is that um, not only do we need wisdom for all areas of life, but we actually also need wisdom for wisdom. We need, we need wisdom uh, to know what wisdom is, because not everything that looks like or sounds like wisdom actually is Wisdom. It's been said that um, anything of value will eventually be copied or counterfeited. Uh, for example, uh, about a week ago, uh, Kanye West released a new album. Perhaps you heard it. It's pretty good. Uh, not, not, I'm not going to like fake like I'm a big Kanye fan. I'm, I'm not. I'm more like acoustic guitar, though there is that in one of the songs, and it's nice. But, um, but that's funny because that comes out a week ago. Last, like a couple days ago, uh, Chris Tomlin, y'all know who that is? He's a famous uh, Christian worship artist. Um, uh, he ripped off one of Kanye's songs and actually copied it. And the, the, the song closed on Sundays. And um, it wasn't good. It was, it was bad. Now, I think he did it to be funny. It was, it was, he wasn't trying to be serious. But he, he probably could have gone without doing that. But anything that is of value will be copied. And if you want some further proof of that, I've got some uh, humor up here for you. Check this out. Like uh, for Adidas, Adidas, great company, or you could get a Adidas. And uh, also good, also good, you know. Or for example, you also have uh, oil of Olay. I don't know if any of y'all use that shampoo. Or you could just get OK, OK shampoo, you know. I love that. Or uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the product, I can't believe it's not butter, but you could get the knockoff. Could it be butter? <laughs> I don't know if I would be feeling too confident buying that one. Um, or here's one, if you can't, maybe if you can't afford buying anything from the Apple Store, you could go to the Apple Story. The Apple Story, and you can tell a story about going and getting that product. Or here's my favorite, um, the, the gaming system, the Wii fun to play with, or you could play with the wee-wee, which I don't even know if, I, like, that sounds inappropriate, right? But um, anything of value will be copied 
will be counterfeited. And what we're going to see today in the passage we're going to be in this morning, James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, if you want to go ahead and turn there. But what we'll see is that this is true even about wisdom, that even wisdom will be counterfeited. And that because that's true, we have to get some wisdom about wisdom. We need to be able to know what real wisdom is. And I know that that, it's like, okay, well, maybe, maybe we do. I don't know. Why, how, why is that important? Well, <laughs> here's why that, mat- that should matter to us. Why it should matter that we actually know what real wisdom is. It's because so much of what is broken in our families, in our relationships, in our marriages, in our workplace, and really in the whole world today is a, re- as, is a result of us embracing counterfeit wisdom. But the peace that we long for, the peace we long for in our relationships and just in the world today is, can be had if we were to live in light of and embrace true wisdom. It's like, which I'm basically saying, uh, buying into counterfeit wisdom is the thing that, why the world's gone bad. And uh, if we would just embrace true wisdom, we would experience peace and the, the world would thrive the way we want it to be, which might sound like an overstatement. But let's just read this passage together and, and, and see if you don't see how this is what God is actually saying through James here. So let's read it together. James chapter 3, verse 13 through 18 says this. Who is wise and understanding among you? That's the big question of this, of this passage. Who's wise? He says, let them show it by their good life, by deeds done and humility that come that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, this is the counterfeit wisdom, does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, and then peace-loving, and considerate, and submissive, and full of mercy, and good fruit, and impartial, and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Okay, did you catch that? James is saying here that uh, counterfeit wisdom, you know, what he refers to as this earthly, unspiritual, even demonic wisdom, it results in the disorder and every evil practice. But true wisdom, wisdom that comes from heaven, turns you into peacemakers, where you sow in peace and you reap a harvest of righteousness. When the world is set right, where your relationships are set right. And I think that it's safe to assume, maybe I'm wrong, but I think it's probably pretty safe to assume, we all want to experience peace and righteousness or, or right living amongst us in our, in our marriages, with our roommates, with our kids, in our workplaces, in our world today. That we don't want to experience disorder in every evil practice. We want everything to feel broken all the time. Well, if that's true, if that's really what you want, and it is what I really want, then we would do well to get some wisdom about wisdom so that we can actually identify what is true wisdom that we don't make the mistake of buying into counterfeit wisdom. So that's where we're going this morning. We're going to ask three questions of this passage. We're going to ask, okay, what is wisdom? That seems like that would be helpful to know. And then we're going to ask, okay, how, you know, how do you know if you have it? 
How do you know if you have wisdom? And then the third question we're going to ask is, is, how do you get it? How do you get wisdom? So let me pray, and then we'll begin to unpack this. Heavenly Father, we do uh, just turn to you and ask you for wisdom. Lord, do you give us your wisdom to understand what you're saying here, that we would embrace true wisdom, and that we would be peacemakers. And Lord, that we would sow in peace, and we'd reap a harvest of righteousness in our relationships and in the world in general. God, would you speak to us and give us, your ear, give us ears to hear what you have to say. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we're going to begin with this question, what is wisdom? Because the, the passage you know, begins with the question, okay, who is wise and understanding among you? And to answer that question, James is going to begin giving us a way to evaluate if we are wise or if we have understanding. But before we get into that, it's just helpful to first kind of get an idea of, okay, what is wisdom in the first place. And so let me just ask y'all, I'll get you to think a little bit here, but how would you define the word wisdom? Like, what is wisdom? How would you put words around that? Because it, right, it, I don't know if there's ever been a, just a very concrete definition of that word. It's, it's kind of hard to explain. We know that it's more than knowledge, right? Like it's, 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 it's different than that. Some people say, okay, it's the ability to know what to do with the knowledge that you have. I think that probably gets a little bit closer to what wisdom is, but it doesn't quite capture it, does it? In the book of uh, Proverbs, you know, Old Testament book of Proverbs, all about wisdom, we're never given a specific definition of what the word wisdom means. But we are given a lot of clues. And one of the ways that, one of the clues that we're given is that uh, interchanged with the word wisdom are three different words, three synonyms with wisdom used throughout the book of Proverbs. And those words are really telling. The first word is the word insight. The second is prudence. And the third is instruction. And if you look at those words, you kind of begin to get a better understanding of what we mean by wisdom or what the Bible means by wisdom. Because the insight just literally means like the idea of being able to see things as they really are. And prudence really gets more practical. It's, it's knowing what to do with what you see. And then the word, the Hebrew word that we translate instruction, uh, actually carries with it a little bit more of a meaning of being conformed in character. And so if you put all that together, you get this idea of wisdom being something about insight, seeing things as they really are, knowing what to do with that, and being shaped by it. Which is why uh, my favorite definition, if you want a concrete definition of wisdom, here's what I would give you. It's, I'm ripping it off by an old, uh, uh, old Testament scholar named, um, let me see, Gerhard Bonrod. And um, he died a long time ago, but this was his definition of wisdom. He said, uh, wisdom is competence with regard to the realities of life. Wisdom is competence in regard to the realities of life. Or, or you could put it this way, wisdom is competence with regard to how life really works. That's wisdom. Wisdom is competence with regard to how life really works. So this week, of course, we had Halloween. And uh, I've got, if you don't know, I've got three kids, uh, two boys that are in fifth grade and a little girl who is in first grade. And my, my fifth graders, oh, here they are, um, they, they did not really want to dress up for Halloween this year, especially Enoch. Enoch told me, he's like, Dad, I'm not dressing up for Halloween. I'm, uh, I just am going to go trick-or-treating. And I'm like, buddy, <laughs> let, me, let me give you a little fatherly wisdom. This is how... Halloween really works. You dress up, 
people give you candy. You don't dress up, they don't give you candy. That's, that's how it works. I just got to tell you, this is wisdom. This is the reality of how life really works. So let me help you be competent in this. And so he decided, okay, I'm going to dress up. And he dressed up as a basketball player wearing a shirt that he loves to wear and shorts that he always wears. And he put on a sweatband. That was his costume. And it worked. Like he got so much candy. But still, I was trying to teach him some. Now, that's a really goofy illustration of what wisdom is. Uh, it's really more excuse for me to show off how cute my kids are. But um, w- wisdom is competence in regards to how life really works. Okay, so if that's wisdom, let's ask another question. How do you know if you have it? How do you know if you are wise? How do you know if you have wisdom? Well, um, that's what James gets into here. This is what he says. Okay, who, has, who is wise and understanding. And then he says right here, let them show it by their good life, by deeds done and the humility that comes from wisdom. So James is going to give us a way to evaluate if we're wise or if someone else is wise. And he's going to say it's, it's really simple. It can boil down to two things. These are the telltale signs if someone is wise. It's this, if they have a life that's marked by good deeds done in humility. So you want to know how someone, if someone's wise, you don't have to like think, oh, they have this most amazing sayings or whatever, and this incredible insight. He says, that's great. That's, those are parts of wisdom, but the true mark of whether someone is wise or not is not whether they have great insight. It's really about their life. Is their life marked by good deeds done in humility? Are they serving others from a place of not me first, but you first? I want to put others above Myself, I'm not going to look to my own interests, but the interests of others, as Philippians 2 would say. It says, if, if you or someone else is marked by these two things, good deeds or a life of good deeds done in humility, you can say you're wise. Or you can say they are wise. Okay, now I want us, before we move on, to think a little bit more deeply about this. Okay? Let me ask this question. Why do you think those would be the two indicators whether someone's wise or not? Like if wisdom is competency with regard to the realities of life, then why would good deeds done in humility be the product, the thing that reveals if someone is wise, if someone is really competent in regards to the realities of life? Why these two things? Could it be because the way that life really works, what life is really about, is putting others first in humility, serving others in humility? That you want to know, how does life really work? It's, it's when we put others ahead of ourselves, humbly serving them. Can you think about your marriage or your friendships or in your workplace Do you find that there is peace and a thriving in that environment when you are around people who have this attitude? Hey, not me first, you first. No, I'm here to serve you. No, no, I'm here to serve you. No, 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 I want, you go first. Why does life work best when that's happening? Well, it's because that's how life was actually meant to work. And that's why the mark of wisdom is someone who lives that way. Good deeds done in humility. Why does life work out that way? Well, God tells us in Scripture, it's because that's how he is. 
that we serve a triune God. And as hard as it is to wrap our mind around what that means, of one God, three persons, and uh, it's hard to explain. Um, what we see in Scripture is that you have the Father, Son, and Spirit, and their attitude towards one another is not you first, but not me first, but you first. No, I'm here for your glory. I want to serve you. So the Father serves the, the Son and the Spirit, and the Son serves the Father and the Spirit, and the Spirit serves the Father and the Son. When the Son comes to earth in service of the Father to bring his lost children back to him and dies to do that, and yet the Father says, no, no, I want to, I want to put everything under your feet, Son, and I want every knee to bow and every tongue to confess your name, your praises. And then Jesus says, while he's with his disciples, no, 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 I'm going to go away, but that's for your benefit so the Spirit can come. He's the best. That's really, like, he's coming. That's, that's, that's better than having me with you. And the Spirit comes, and he just points people to Jesus, and he pours the Father's love into our hearts that they're always this Trinity, within the Trinity, the different persons within the Godhead are always about, hey, I want to bring glory to the other. I want to serve the other. And then in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, we're told, God says, let us make mankind in our image. And there we get a picture of how life was intended to work. Where we were made out of his image, the image of the God who's always you first, no, you first, no, I'm here for you, I'm here for you and your glory. And then out of that love, he creates, not out of a, he's lonely, no, he's perfect relationship, but then he creates so we would be swept up into his love. So that now, God pours his love out on us, and in response, we then respond in kind towards God and towards one another in all of creation, that we relate to creation the way that God relates within himself and relates to us. This is, guys, that's the fabric of reality. That's how life was meant to work, because that's who made us, and that's what we were made for. And so you want a way to really boil down how do you know if you are wise? How do you know if someone's wise? They say, well, are they lined up with that? How do you know? Well, it's their life of humble service, of good deeds done in humility. If so, that person is wise because they're living competently with regard to the realities of life. Unfortunately, we don't do that very often, or we don't do that very consistently, do we? And the reason why is because there is a counterfeit wisdom that's been introduced, and we buy into it. James explains this counterfeit wisdom starting in verse 14. Here's what he says. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such Wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Now, why do you think that James refers to this uh, bitter envy and selfish ambition as wisdom? Like he could have said, such bitter envy and selfish ambition does not come down from heaven. I mean, that would have been a very true statement, but he, he, he calls it wisdom. Why would he do that? Well, I would say it's because James is wise. And James understands that 
Uh, there is a uh, wisdom of this age, of the earth, or you could say of the world, and that's unspiritual, or you could say of the flesh, that's demonic, or of the devil, the world, the flesh, the devil, earthly, unspiritual, demonic, that is based on this understanding about the reality of life. It says, hey, you want to know what the reality of life is all about? It's all about you. It's all about you. And so if you want to, you want to thrive in this world, you've got to find a way to put yourself first. You've got to find a way to make others live for you, to serve you, to be there for you, to put yourself to the top, to go first. That if you could be competent in that, and making everyone circle around you and live for you, then you are wise because that's what life is all about. And what does that kind of thinking produce? Does it not produce bitter envy and selfish ambition? The bitter envy is just the idea of, of, of being just negative emotion based on what others have that you wish you had. And selfish ambition, this is kind of fascinating. Selfish ambition is uh, the only time this word is used in all of the uh, New Testament is right here. And the only time that we see it used in antiquity before the New Testament was by Aristotle. And Aristotle used it um, to describe the narrow partisan zeal of divisive, greedy politicians in his own day. It's like, oh, it's good to know that that was uh, nothing changes. Well, <laughs> Why? Because we've bought into the counterfeit wisdom of this day. This says, no, everything's about trying to get your way, get your agenda, be about you, get people to live for you. Where did this come from? Well, you can go all the way back to the beginning. Genesis 3. You got Adam and Eve. You got, you got the serpent. You got the devil speaking through the serpent. You got this idea that, who says, hey, did God really say you can't eat any fruit? In the, in the whole garden. No, no, there's just this one tree. Okay, you can't, so you can't eat of that tree? Yeah. Well, you know why he doesn't want you to eat of that tree? Because uh, if you eat of that tree, your eyes are going to be opened. You're going to know the difference of good and evil. You're going to be like God. What's he say? Put it another way. Hey, if you envy what you can't have, decide to go your own way, put yourself first, you will be made wise because that's what wisdom's about. And from that day, all of creation has been marked by buying into counterfeit wisdom. And what has resulted? Well, James 3.16 sums it up this way. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil Who's wise and understanding among you? Do you find uh, that your relationships at home, with your roommate, with your friends, at work, are they marked by this, no, you first, no, you first, or by this selfish ambition and this bitter envy? Is there peace or is there disorder? Is there righteousness? Is there every evil practice? That's how you can know if you're wise. That can 
that's how you can know if you've actually bought into or if you've really aligned yourself with, become competent with the reality of what's really true or a false reality. A reality that says, no, no, life is all about humble service of others or a false reality that says, no, life is all about getting people to live for you. So uh, Halloween, back to that. Um, just, just a reminder, I'm thinking about mine. What, how often do I see this play out? And it's like, on, for kids, one of the best days of the year, right? I mean, Halloween, it's like one of the best days of the year. It's like, of course, they're just going to be happy all the time, especially when you trick or treat, and then you come home, and what's the best thing that you could do after you trick or treat? Like, you all used to do it, right? You, you pour out the candy, and you sort it, right? And you get it all out for you, and you're sorting it into, like, the best candy, and then here's the okay candy, and here's the candy that I'm going to throw away or give away or whatever it is. But you have all the best candy, and, and, and you think they would just be so happy. And yet my daughter, Della, is gluten intolerant. So one of the things she has to do, she can't eat the candy that has gluten in it. So she's having to pick some of that out, and we said, just give those to your brothers. And so, I mean, they have so much candy, so much incredible amount of candy. Like, it's, it's a problem. But um, <laughs> parents know. Like, I'm serious. It's a problem. And, uh, but they, you think they'd just be so happy, but now she's having to give some of her candy away. <laughs> and what happens? Bitter envy. Selfish ambition. I just want, I want to have more than them. He's like, it's not fair, Dad. It's not fair. It's like you have a thousand pieces of candy in front of you. You will never eat all this. Uh, I would be, CPS would be calling me if I let you eat all of this. But it's like, no, why are you upset? It's, it's like, no, I just want more. I just want more. It's about me. It's about me. Then my sons, um, you know, they hear this, but on their own initiative, they, they say, oh, Della, we want to give you some of our candy. And so humble service, you know, of another, good deed here, give her her candy. And where there was uh, disorder, now there was peace. And where there was much grumbling and complaining, there was thanksgiving. Friends, <laughs> it gets me that my daughter, who I think is uh, probably the closest to perfect of anyone who's ever walked the earth next to Jesus. She's just incredible. She could do no wrong. Uh, you can see this at work in her seven-year-old heart. And we can see it at work in all of our hearts, right? That's because we bought in a counterfeit wisdom. We believe life is about us. And we want to try to get people to live for us. It leads to disorder and every evil practice. We need real wisdom. But where do we get it? How do you get real wisdom? Well, that's where he goes next in this passage. You pick up in verse 17, he's going to say this. But wisdom that comes from heaven. Now, let me stop there. Because if you're going to know where to get wisdom, you've got to know where to look. And he tells us where to look right here. It's wisdom comes from heaven, meaning wisdom comes from God who is in heaven. Like wisdom is sourced in God. Now think about this. Does this not make perfect sense? Why would all of wisdom be sourced in God? Well, if wisdom is competence in regard, with regard to the realities of life, then of course wisdom is sourced in God. He is the creator of all of life. And so he's going to be the most competent in how life really works. So yes, wisdom is sourced in God, the creator of all. He is the all-wise God. So where do you go to look for wisdom? You go to God for wisdom. 
But having gone to God for wisdom, will he give us his wisdom? That's a question, right? And the answer is absolutely he will. I mean, James has made that point multiple times in the book of James leading up to this, this passage. I can think about James 1, verse 17. Here's what he had said. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. So yes, wisdom comes from him. And then verse 5 of chapter 1, he had said this, remember? If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. That's good news, right? You ask him, he's going to give it to you. Why? Well, because God's wise. And what's wisdom produce? Humble service, the benefit of others. And God is happy to humbly serve us by giving us his wisdom. But then you could ask the next question, which is, okay, what does that look like? Like, how does God give us his wisdom? You ever wondered that? Like, is it you ask for it, and all of a sudden, like, it's like fortune cookie wisdom is just gifted to you, and you're like, ah, I see now. Like, what does that actually look like? How do you get wisdom? Well, I would put it this way. God gives wisdom wisely. God gives wisdom wisely, and here's what I mean by that. If wisdom produces, like I said, humble service, a life of good deeds done in humility, then could God actually give us, the primary way he gives us wisdom, is it not by a life of good deeds done in humility? Think about this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, tells us that Jesus, he's called the power of God and the wisdom of God. The power of God and the wisdom of God. And that Jesus, who came down from heaven, wisdom of heaven, come down to us to humbly serve us, to put us first. To meet our needs. Read the rest of James 3.17 and lie to him. What What does it say? But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace loving and considerate and submissive and full of mercy and good fruit and impartial, meaning showing no favoritism and sincere, meaning not hypocritical. Who does that sound like? The wisdom of God has come from heaven. The one who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And friends, it's because of Jesus, the wisdom of God, that we have both access to God and his wisdom, and we can receive the wisdom of God to be made wise. See, we become people who are competent with regard to the realities of how life works and what life is about as we receive 
from Jesus what we are to give to others. For if wisdom is peace-loving, well, then how do you become that? Is it not by first looking to Jesus and seeing how he, through his death on our behalf, made peace between us and God? That he is the one who brought peace, and as we receive the peace that he has purchased, that he has made possible for us, then we find in us this peace we've received from God that we can now give to others. That through his sacrificial suffering service, he brought peace. Now, when we are in a relationship, in a marriage, and things are hard, and it's you first, no, it's, it's me first, no, it's me first, it's me first. And you say, okay, no, no, there's no peace here. And I'm not living wisely. So what am I going to do? It's going to cost me something. I'm going to have to sacrificially serve the other. What's going to make me do that? What's going to give me the ability to do that? It's the wisdom of God. It's embracing Jesus and his sacrificial, costly service on your behalf that you can turn and do that for the other. And you can sow in peace and eventually reap a harvest of righteousness. And friends, if wisdom is considerate and submissive, where it considers others ahead of yourselves and puts them first, then how do we become those kind of wise people? Is it not by looking to Jesus to see how God himself, God the Son, did that for each of us? Considering us ahead of himself, not using equality with God to his own advantage. And when we see that that's how God served us, are we not moved then to be able to give what we've received from him, the wisdom of God that now we can live wisely in how we treat others? Friends, when we look to Jesus, we see how merciful he has been to us, not condemning us, even though we have bought into the lie that says life is all about us. But instead, where Jesus, actually hanging from the cross, would pray, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And we see the mercy given to us in Christ, then we are able to, in receiving his wisdom, turn and give mercy to others. Because how do we get wisdom? We respond to Jesus. We receive the wisdom of God embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. The answer is we must receive from Jesus his humble service and respond in kind. Then we will be made wise. Then we will live wisely. See, it's Jesus, the wisdom of God, that moves us to live wise lives, that's making us wise, wise. And when we live wisely, here's what happens. We will become peacemakers. We will become peacemakers, as, John, as James 3.18 says. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. For when we live humbly and we serve others, in light of how Jesus humbly served us, peace and righteousness eventually follows. Not right away, it's a harvest. You sow, but you will reap what you sow. And you receive a harvest of righteousness. For that's how the world was made to work. So here's what I want to encourage you to do with this. Hopefully you're feeling maybe like you have a little bit more wisdom about wisdom, but you got to apply it, right? You need some prudence here. Know what to do with what we've talked about. 
So it goes back to the question, okay, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. That's what we do. See, for uh, wisdom is competence with regard to how life really works. And since Jesus shows us life really works, what life is really about is humbly serving others. And that's what we go and do to live wise lives. In response to how he has humbly served us, we go and humbly serve others. And when we do that, we are wise, for we are being competent in the realities of how life really works. So let's, this week, let's grow in wisdom by looking at Jesus and embracing the gospel of his humble life-changing service on our behalf so we will then wisely partner with him and humbly serve the other people in our lives. Sound good? Yeah. Again, friends, this isn't something you can just say, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to start humbly serving people. You can do it for a minute. You can. We can do that for a minute. We got that in us. Like, I can serve others for, like, maybe 20 minutes. But, like, if you're going to sustain, if you're going to live a life of good deeds of humble service, you got to go to Jesus. He's the only one who can give this to you constantly so that you can live this life wisely. To help us grow in wisdom right now, we're going to end by taking communion as we do each Sunday. And when we take communion, we're remembering how Jesus, after living not just a good life, but the perfect life, humbly laid down his life on our behalf so that through faith in him, we can have peace with God and be made pure and righteous. Jesus had his body broken and he had his blood spilled so that in his wisdom, he could justly punish your sins while at the same time make peace between you and God. Let's use this time of communion and this time of worship that will follow, this time of prayer. We'll have people in the back that would love to pray for you. They'll be wearing a, a, a lanyard that says prayer team. Um, but let's use this time to set our hearts and our mind on the wisdom of God and Jesus so that we would be made wise. Let's pray, friends. Jesus, you are... Um, you're amazing. And you, uh, God, in, in your love, you do not call, call us to be something or to do something that uh, we can't in and of ourselves. But in your grace, you have made us your kids, your children, your sons and your daughters through Jesus, the wisdom of God who has brought peace between us and you. And now you call us to live wise lives in light of the reality that life is made to work when we humbly serve others. But God, you don't just say do that. You did that for us in Christ. And it's when we respond to that that we have what it takes to live wisely. God, would you make us competent to live according to the realities of life as we respond to Jesus and in and extend what he's done for us to others. God, will you grow us in humility and in service that you would be made known. And God, would you grow us in wisdom right now as we remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. His body broken for us, his blood spilled for us. We love you, God. Thank you for loving us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. 
If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.